to Triple Zeros. I'm your host, Josh Buckhalter. This is the show, the anti-hot take show, uh, late night show, so we can't be hot take. We got to take our time to step back and let the cooler heads prevail, so you already know what it is, man. Uh, as I said, I'm your host, Josh Buckhalter. Follow me on Twitter, at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports website, clockersports.com. The email address is clockersports at gmail.com. You can also follow the pod at three zeros pod on Facebook and Twitter. That's at the number three zeros and pod. Got a lot to talk about. We got to talk about uh, the Brooklyn Nets and what I know. I talk, it's a lot of Nets talk, but they've been going through the whole gambit of, of uh, emotions. We got to talk about what their biggest weak spot is, their biggest weakness, their their, their kryptonite, if you will, if it as it were, <laughs> uh, to their making a run to the championship and possibly even winning it. I talked about uh, Kevin Durant and I, my feelings on him making a leap from comeback player, which they don't really give out, they don't give out anymore, uh, to MVP candidate. But the Nets as a team are severely hindered by one thing. We'll talk about what that is. Also, one of the Ball brothers is on the rise while another could be on the go. Uh, But before we get into any of that, we have to talk about some of the other stuff. We didn't get to go into it right after, but I have to cover the NFL uh, wrapping up its season with a Super Bowl game that was ultimately super duper boring. I know people were up in arms about a call here or there, and I'm, I'm... definitely downplaying the calls that they're talking about the amount and the significance of what when they were taking place i don't necessarily agree with them that they were bad calls all around the one i, I keep hearing a reference that was questionable was the one that negated the interception uh there was more time after that i look i get these things changing the play changing the complexion of the game and how a certain team might attack it the fact of the matter is kansas city couldn't muster up a touchdown for the entire night the Patrick Mahomes was running for his life. What was it? 500 yards behind the line of scrimmage before even doing it? Like, come on now. That's That, that was right before disaster. Now, I said it was super boring because that's what I expected to happen. Backup tackles, really good defense on the other side of the ball, and an offense that can put up points when you're not. Uh, we also spoke about a slow start, dooming possibly uh, Tampa Bay, and it, it could have had Kansas City been able to do anything. Now, we saw in the post- in the aftermath of the game, uh, Patrick Mahomes got his is going had toe surgery. Uh, Brady's had to clean up on his knee, so injuries are coming out. I'm not, I don't care about that excuse, whatever. Fact of the matter is, you saw the Chiefs not run the ball. You saw Mahomes running for his life, and you saw Tom Brady in a in what I was calling a potential passing of the torch moment. Tom Brady said, "Nah, not this time. It's still mine. I still got it. I still got it for at least another year. You got to wait. You got to hold off on that one." The thing that caught me off guard, though. I think the most was Reed's lack of offensive balance. And that's not to say that you don't expect that from an Andy Reed offense. You kind of do. That was kind of the knock on him for a while there. The thing about it though, is he knew he had backup tackles. He knew his quarterback was hobbled. He knew that his defense was going to be going up against a certain, against the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL possibly the greatest player I can't I can't I don't know how you argue against greatest player but whatever the case may be there's a goat and maybe you have an extra word but there's goat in Tom Brady's uh job title at the end of that uh appended on at the end of that there I don't know how Bruce Arians for all of the and Byron Leftwich for all of the the I'm sorry Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy for all of the uh, accolades that have been heaped upon them and all of the uproar that was around Eric Bieniemy for not getting a head coaching job, how they came out not only with such a 
a one-sided game plan, but one that had the team looking flat, didn't offer them many opportunities to spark the offense, and again, did that defense very few favors. Now, you can talk about the fact that you know, with the, with the tackles being banged up and with Mahomes being banged up, there was only so much that they can do. However, like I just said, you had running backs. And you've had some people in recent weeks come out and say that they feel like Darrell Williams is actually the best running back on the roster. I would still say that that's Edwards Elair, but maybe they're talking about in combination with physical, physical ability, easy for me to say, as well as mental uh, acuity. So I guess in that regard, you have to give it to Williams because he is the, the veteran here. I, I just again, I expected this, so I maybe I'm I'm just jaded in that regard. But this felt like a return to normalcy. Now you're gonna have some people who are gonna overreact and say Patrick Mahomes is not all that, everything you know, whatever, because he got beat up by again a great defense that called a hell of a Todd Bowles called a, one of the best games I've seen. And then, like I said, the the Bucks started slow, which was the fear, especially because they didn't get the kickoff in that double up situation. But after that, Byron Leftwich called a hell of a game. And it just, again, I'm just shocked that the Chiefs came out so ill-prepared for what was about to happen. And again, regardless of opponent, you could have planned to run the ball a lot more and implement more play. I just, it just didn't seem like they wanted to, it seemed like they came out down 10 points. It seemed like they thought, you know, that's how they were they were operating. Like, they were already down 10 points. It was a, a, a highly boring game. Worst commercial was that Oatly commercial, by the way. That milk, that, where the dude was playing on the uke, on, on the uke dog. Yeah, look, man, you could you could shove that commercial right back where the sun don't shine and grow it. I don't care. That was, a, that was awful. And that was like, what, first, it was early. I called that the worst one that it held. That is a bad, because it was annoying. Anyway, boring game. Um... Brady's coming back. The, the gang is coming back. Shaq Barry says he wants to break the bank. We'll see how that alters anybody's plans because he's supposed to be coming back too. But they got a lot. Chris Godwin needs some monies. Um, I would imagine they get it all done, but it's not going to be cheap. This is the cost of success, though. Uh, elsewhere around the league, you had uh, Matthew Stafford reportedly playing the entire season with a torn UCL in his elbow. Now, here's the thing. If you recall, last episode we talked about Teddy Bruschi saying, upon hearing that Matthew Stafford said that he didn't want to play for Bill Belichick and the Patriots, Bruschi called Stafford, said that Stafford wasn't tough enough. He, he, he wouldn't have made it. He's not tough. But man played through. Now, I'm not saying that he's the first. I'm not saying he's going to be the last. So I'm not saying he's the only. What I'm saying is that it happened. And then when asked why he didn't disclose the injury, he said the people of Detroit have, were dealing with enough. Look, Bruce, all you have to do is say, hey, I don't like that answer. You know, what you got against the pay. You know what it is. That's the problem. He knows what it is. And that, that's just not for everybody. I just, that one, that was a funky comment from Bruski when I first read it because it just didn't sound like Matthew Stafford. As a person, again, who's watched him his entire career twice a year at least, uh, in addition to the bi-week game and, you know, things like that, whenever they get on primetime as well. There's nothing you you're not gonna tell me that Matthew Stafford's not tough. <laughs> you can say he's not good. You I, I I'll I won't I'll debate you on it, but I'm not gonna be mad. I won't say you're crazy. You tell me he's not tough. So I think you're kind of nuts. I think you're a little bit nuts. 
Carson Wentz drama is still building as we had as recently as what Sunday rumors floating around that the Bears had the highest offer on the table for the quarterback, although he still remains yet to be dealt. Um, it has come to real come to light that it probably was just an uh, inside ploy to boost up his trade value because we had reports as early or as late as tonight that the highest offer was from the Colts and it was two second round picks. I've also heard that my beloved Chicago Bears, who I'll address in a second, have kind of not been involved in that talk at all because of the price tag associated with it. Now, the rumor is that they want a Matthew Stafford-type deal, which was two first-round picks, uh, I believe a third-round pick, and then a, a player. Now, they want a defensive player. Oh, no, they want, a, they want a player. Whatever. Point being, they want too damn much. You're not getting a Matthew Stafford contract, even if you like Wentz's peak. His peak wasn't nearly as long as, like I said, Matthew Stafford has been doing it. People forget he's been in the game for a decade, Stafford has. Wentz has been there for four years, five years, four years? 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, five years. <laughs> now, and and it hasn't been consistent. Now, he's had really good seasons, but we've heard about the rumors of the drama and the and the, the coddling and that things of that nature. We've also heard reports of it not being true. Wherever he goes, we will see. But the fact of the matter is, there's a lot of smoke with no fire. If the Eagles are really waiting on a on a Matthew Stafford type deal, they're going to be waiting for a mighty long time. Now, some team will eventually get desperate. They swing they swing and miss in uh, in the draft and free agency. Even though he's the best available, I just don't know that you're going to see anybody though cough up a Matthew Stafford type deal for Wentz willingly. I, that would have to be some, I, you would have seen it already. You would have already seen it. So they're going to have to come down from that price. And maybe then that's when the Bears get, but that money, he still got so, the largest uh, salary, dead money cap hit in history. If he's moved, that should tell you all you know. Again, though, people around the Eagles will tell you that it could be a, a Howie Roseman issue and not necessarily a Wentz or even a Doug Peterson. Who's now no longer there. Problem. The one thing that I've always wondered about with the Bears, though, the Bears wins connection. Despite the similarities or whatever in what Nagy wants to do and what they were doing in Philly when Wentz was successful, what kind of review is Doug Peterson giving his friend, Matt Nagy, to talk about Carson Wentz that would make anybody believe that Matt Nagy would then turn to Ryan Pace and say, hey, you know who we need to go and get? That Carson Wentz fellow who got my boy fired. That's the guy that I need to have here. That doesn't even make any sense. So, I, 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 just, I just never got it. Now, speaking of the Bears, former Bears quarterback, and I can say that with almost full certainty at this point uh, because we already know how they feel about him, but Mitchell Trubisky reportedly uh, is not interested in coming back to the Chicago Bears. And to that I say, two tears in a bucket. Now, that is not to say that I wish ill upon Mitch. I hope he goes somewhere and proves all the doubters, including myself, wrong. That's what you always want to say. I love people to be successful, That period. However, I think that you only have to put something like this out if there's a possibility that the other side will want you. But now, they maybe they do, but I would think that the only reason why they haven't vehemently shut the door on that chapter is because they know that their, their options are limited and they might have to fall back. But I don't think that counts. <laughs> I don't think that that counts at all. The fact of the matter is, they would be taking you back, or that in that regard, or so 
they would be taking you back because they were forced to, not because they wanted to. And yeah, I just don't see that happening uh, for young Mitchell there. I just don't see it. He had LaShawn McCoy going two for two in the past uh, two Super Bowls. Hasn't played a single snap. <laughs> that's a killer stat. That's one of my favorite stats there because, uh, yeah, that's how you do it. You call a game in the system. Now, into a non-playoff talk, Russell Wilson reportedly is upset with the Seahawks front office. They have not given him adequate protection. We talked about this during his MVP downfall conversation and how a lot of the problem with uh, a lot of the reason why he he has that that tail off at the end of the season is because he's been doing so much because they leave him on an island. They're hanging him out to dry damn near every snap. And this has been happening for years. I'm surprised it took him this long if this is all, you know, checked out. But I, it was surprising that this took this long for this to become a public issue because they've done a crap-ass job of protecting him. That offensive line, year in and year out, is among the worst. And I mean, it, like, not even just on metrics alone. The eye test tells you that they're not a good... You know, they've gotten a little bit better uh, in, in the past couple of years, but that's been mostly because they've adjusted themselves to implement a lot more of the run game. That's a good idea regardless, but you've seen that as the defense has slid, that the offense has had to do more, and that's put more stress on Wilson because, again, he's back there taking a punishment. And we heard last offseason that there was talks of teams making overtures to him, that they were shopping him even, that, that there's possibility that Seattle was even trying to move Wilson. I'm sure that they'll figure this one out. I don't, again, as I say a lot, you don't move franchise quarterbacks, and he's definitely that. I think he's had some tail offs, but I think a lot of that, again, is because you're not giving him protection to stand in the clean pocket. Uh, it seems like they always have a ton of injuries every season, and that they let the defense slide and haven't really been able to address any of the issues to to make up for. They've got pieces here and there, but nothing schematically that'll make it all uh, quote unquote better. So they better fix it. It can get ugly real quick, and he's in a smaller market. He's in a smaller market as it is. So I mean, it's not like he'd be leaving out of New York to go somewhere else. He'd be leaving out of Seattle, and he's not the type to need the big city. But damn it, if he wouldn't clean up somewhere else, especially how come on him and Sierra? Come on now. So, I, listen, Seattle, and maybe this is just part of the plan. Maybe they're on their way. If, if the rumors from last season are true, this could just be the, the natural course of things taking its, taking its path, and, and the divorce will happen sooner rather than later. But I just don't see that being the case. I just can't. I, I don't know why you, would, why you would get rid of Russ. doesn't make any sense. Troy Aikman says that he feels like Dak Prescott's uh, value has gone up this past season, despite the fact the quarterback obviously missed most of the year with that ankle injury per Aikman. I think the price tag went up. I think Dak's leverage went up after this year. I'd be really surprised if he's playing under the franchise tag again this year. My guess is if he is, that would be the last we see of Dak Prescott. Yeah. You don't really have to add much to that other than pay that man. I'm not sure what the Cowboys are waiting on. Prescott has shown to be the best value uh, since Tom Brady in the NFL. Um, he was MVP front runner up until his ankle injury. Maybe not MVP front runner because Dallas wasn't winning many many games. The defense was awful, but that's again a combination of things. I just don't know. And if Dak look, if Dallas doesn't want to pay Dak, I will go down 
to Arlington or to wherever they are down in Texas and <laughs> wherever Dak is, is, is chilling at right now, rehabbing and, and getting ready and pick him up and bring him back to Chicago because there's a position in Chicago for him. I, there's one for him. I'm not sure what Jerry Jones is doing. This is this is the part that kills me personally as a Bears fan is that you got to watch other teams mishandle good quarterbacks while your team passes up on great ones. I I just made myself mad. Just got myself frustrated all over again. Oh. So disappointing. Speaking of Russell Wilson, most sacked quarterbacks 2020. Russell Wilson, 51 sacks. Carson Wentz, 50 in only 12 games. Deshaun Watson, 49 and 16. Carson Wentz getting 50 sacks in 12 games is... Uh, look, look. Some of that was the offensive line. Their offensive line was decimated by injuries, but a lot of that was him holding on to the ball, too. These are bad habits. You got bad habits, reportedly a bad attitude. And a lot of money, a lot of money coming onto the books. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Doesn't make any sense. I just don't get it. I've tried. We'll be talking coming up here. Uh, we're doing a mock draft for Clocker Sports and also uh, doing some more stuff, looking into the Bears and their quarterback situation. Wrote an article about that for Clocker Sport or for Last Word Pro Football, um, asking literally who will be the Chicago Bears' next quarterback, and kind of pushed back on the, the Carson Wentz stuff and put out a name that I know is not going to excite people. And it's kind of like last year when I was going hard for Teddy Bridgewater. I'm doing the same thing. Derek Carr. Bring in Derek Carr. I know he's got the check down reputation. He kind of overcame that this year. Uh, highest air yards per attempt of his career. Um, he was having a stellar season. That defense there is bad. Puts a lot on his shoulders they probably shouldn't have. Offense isn't that creative. Um, in my opinion, they got it's very strong run game, better run game there than over here, but that could be running back and offensive line talent. They know how to build a team. I'm not sure they know how to necessarily operate the team. Um, if you could pry Derek Carr away, I'm not sure what it would cost. I'm not sure if he's even, if he's even available, but if you could do that, that'd be an ideal candidate. I'm not with Wentz. I'm not with the Ryan Fitzpatrick. You want to throw some uh, flyer at Jameis? If he manages to pop, uh, pop free from New Orleans, go for it. Uh, if if Marcus Mariota, mm, nah, nah, pass. You got. I'm trying to think of who else would even be available uh, at the moment. I'm missing one one completely obvious one, and it's 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 gonna make me mad if I can't think of the thing. But anyway, you can also go the draft route, and that's the scariest one. That's the part that's bothersome because in the draft. You already don't know what a rookie's going to do once they get into the league. With Ryan Pace making the selection, you don't even have the have the 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 uh, any clue of whether or not that player is going to make it to training camp. If they're going to be able to play the position that they were drafted to play, scary times, very scary times. Switching gears over to the NBA, the Brooklyn Nets. This was the team that started off shaky, got a little bit better, added James Harden midway through, and found another groove, but then started dealing with COVID and themselves, and find themselves now sitting at 15 and 12, 
third in the East. Now they're they're still up there, but you have to realize that they're not playing up to their uh, up to their potential, like by any stretch of the imagination. They've lost three of their last four. They've lost four of the last six, and Kevin Durant's been out now. I am a I am a firm believer of a player being able to strengthen his MVP case through absence due to his team struggles. And I, I, when you see losses uh, to the Detroit Pistons, uh, to the Washington Wizards for the Nets, and the, they lost they lost member earlier in the year back to back games with the Cavaliers who aren't that bad, but still they lost to them. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies. This is teams that they should be beating. Oklahoma City Thunder. These are teams they should be beating. They've lost to the Wizards twice too. When you see those types of things, and then you see James Harden snapping off on DeAndre Jordan for not getting uh, making a defensive play, you see Kyrie Irving saying that they, they're playing bad, they're a bad team right now. There's problems there that could that are very real and could pose serious threats to their championship aspirations. They have a, a, a terrific equalizer in Kevin Durant, but he can only do so much, and he himself is coming off of injury. If there's any way they're going to be able to make it through all of this, they're going to have to figure out. They they got their roles. James Harden's been playing point guard. Like there's so much stuff that works for him, but there's always something. That's the problem with this. And again, I've been following. The reason why I talk so much about the Brooklyn Nets because I've been following this evolution of this franchise for a couple of years now since they first acquired D'Angelo Russell to this point, and just it's I have marveled at how they how they've changed it all around, but. I'm, I'm, and that's why I'm so stuck. Is this a Brooklyn Nets issue? I said when they got these guys that they got the three most mercurial players in the NBA to go and play for the same team and try to make them all play nice. You just have to wonder if there's if there's a it, is it just growing pains or is this lingering things that are gonna again ultimately hinder them? Now, I I don't know if there's anybody talented enough to beat them seven. A seven game series. That's the problem. Unless you get one of these key, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, something like that, Washington in the playoffs, and that's not happening. If you don't see that, then I mean, I, I think that they're just playing down to the competition. They've lost to some good teams too, but I think they play down and they cruise a lot. I know, I know that that Durant is going to deliver in crunch time. I don't know that about James Hart. I know that Durant can be extremely efficient and unselfish with the ball. I don't know that about Kyrie Irving. I know that Durant can play some defense still. I don't know that about Kyrie Irving. I'm halfway there with James Harden. The the Nets' biggest issue is themselves. They got to figure out how serious about this they're going to be. Do they really want it to? You already saw rumors of Kyrie being the one being shipped out when they were trying to get Harden. They were already trying to break up the band. And then they struggle on defense. They win games, they struggle on defense. Durant goes out and now they're losing games. They're not a one-man band, but he's a straw. And it's a pretty bitter drink. Otherwise, they got to figure it out. Otherwise, they're going to have some. They're going to. They're going to fall short of where they need to be. And I don't want to see a repeat of what we saw with the Clippers last year. They're in the East. Maybe they can avoid that because of that. But I, 
that's that's scary times. Lonzo Ball reportedly on uh, soon to be on the move from the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, Chicago Bulls named as his top landing spot. If you recall, his younger brother Lamelo Ball was supposedly a draft target uh, here this past summer, and we'll talk about him shortly or this past fall because it was after. Anyway, um, back to Lonzo. He is down there in New Orleans, and poor Zoe has just not been wanted since he's been drafted into the NBA. Part of that was due to his dad talking, but his dad hasn't really been talking like that, and you still have people who bring up those types of things uh, about him. Now, um, his game is not an ISO game. He is not a single superstar type player. He is a glue, bring it all together type player, but he is averaging a career high in points this season at 13.9, um, 4.4 boards and 4.7 assists. 1.36. He's always been good on defense. You bring him to the Bulls and you slot him in between or, or next to Zach and Kobe. Now, do you move Zach in that deal and put him next to Kobe? Because Zach's going to want a new deal. It depends on what your what your markup is on him. Do you put Zach above 25 or you put him at 30? I don't know. I think I might. I think I think I might. That's a long time. But Zach has improved every. He's only twenty five. He's still getting better. I'd like to see him finish through contact with some with some with some more physicality. But that's aside from the point. And I'm getting way off the track here. <laughs> Lonzo Ball. <laughs> For the for the eleven and thirteen, the Pelicans have been a big disappointment this season. By the way, you get Lonzo in Chicago, you're setting up. You got your playmaker, and you got. Here's the thing: you get Lonzo here, and you might have shifted what the Bulls' core is. Because while we love Kobe White in Chicago, views around the league I've already shifted to him being a, a one-tool guy. Uh, We've seen how the, the transition to playing more traditional style point guard has helped hurt his efficiency even more. So he's already inconsistent as it was, but it has, it seems like it's even less so uh, with him trying to be more of a lead guard. So would it just be Patrick Williams and Lonzo you're building around? No, you're still building around Kobe. Can you build around Kobe, Lonzo, and Zach, or do you have to move Zach to get Lonzo? Because I don't know if I want to do that. I'm not sure if I want to do that, especially because Kobe's just not that efficient. Are you moving Kobe and keeping Zach? That's interesting. Zach and Lonzo. It's a big uh, backcourt. What do you do about the front court? What's up with Lon- with with Wendell and Lowry? Both hurt. Anybody that's been following knows that I'm. I, there is no love lost for me for me for those guys. I could care less. Move them. But Lonzo, you bring Zoe in. You might be cooking with gas because the Bulls, for all of their improvements this season, are sorely missing a true point guard. That's the only thing they could use that would that would actually make this all come together a little bit better, and they just haven't gotten it yet. They'll figure it out, but it, I trust. I, quick disclaimer: I have been thoroughly surprised and pleased with what I've seen from Billy Donovan and crew, including first round pick Patrick Williams. I was skeptical the entire time. Have been proven to uh, have been basically hushed for the moment, and happily, happily, I want them to be successful. So I'm glad to see that they are. Hopefully, it stays that way. Uh, Patrick Williams definitely made the uh, Clocker Sports 
Rookie of the Year voting article that came out on Thursday, so be sure to check that out as well. The other ball, bro, in the NBA, LaMelo Ball. We touched on him a second ago. The the, the rookie is a star in the making, and, and right now the front runner for MVP, or for, wow, for MVP, for Rookie of the Year, and I'm not sure that there's going to be anybody uh, that's going to be able to catch him because we already know it's a lot to do with popularity and eye test more than it is any analytics. Now, he's averaging 14.3 points, 5.8 boards, 6.1 assists. He's only got six starts, but they've all been uh, over the past six games. Yes, he was coming off the bench. His coach wanted him to, you know, get a job. He didn't play college ball. He came from uh, overseas and, and basically bought a team to play for uh, while he was over there. <laughs> that's some, that's some ball, big baller status. Type stuff, but in his last six games, all starts, he's averaging 21 points, six assists, 6.3 assists, and 5.3 boards, 1.3 steals. He's still good on defense. Not really, he's good at playing passing. He's not really good on defense. He's good at playing passing lanes. Lonzo's good at defense. Lamelo though is the offensive guy. 21 points per game. Um, 45 percent from the floor, 48 percent from three. That's the big number because on the season. He's only averaging, uh, he's only slashing, excuse me, uh, 35% from three. So a big increase there on the three-point when he's getting the ball starting off. He's showing out, showing up, showing out big ball of brand status. Good to see. Love to see. Front runner for rookie of the year. Right behind him is my boy, the guy who I wanted the Bulls to draft, Pat, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, now with the Sacramento Kings. Very good player. Happy, again, happy with Patrick Williams, but I like Tyrese Halliburton's game. And uh, I, it's reflected in the rankings. He's second in my my rookie of the year voting, and he has a legitimate chance. I don't think he overtakes Lamelo, but he has a legitimate chance. Last thing, uh, touch on it. A second ago, the Bulls are showing that it's not you, it's me, Billy Donovan. Now, all I'm saying is because they won this game, but they played. Uh, who did they play against the the Pelicans? Wow. <laughs> what a moment to blank out. Bulls were uh, beat the Pelicans 129-116. to They set records, most three-pointers in the game, set it for most three-pointers in the half. When they set the halfway mark, they were actually up by like two points or even possibly down at that point in time. It was a bizarre game. They ended up pulling away in the, at the, in the, uh, the end of it all. But what they showed was that they, they, there's no amount of coaching that's going to get that out of these guys. you got to break this group up at some point to realize the true potential. And I think it starts with the bigs. You move those front court guys out of there and get some modern day bigs instead of just a old, you know, a, a younger Dirk Nowitzki. Cause I think that's what Lowry is, but it's just not, his game is not, ah, it's, it's so inconsistent and he's so talented, but so wildly inconsistent. Wendell's consistent, but very low ceiling, very capped. Move those guys. If you can combine them and move them for one superstar, that'd be great. You can't, you won't, but I'm just saying. Sidetracked again. In how they've blown leads and how they've even won games at times, these Bulls have shown that they it's not Billy. It wasn't all, well, maybe it was because he was there for five years. But it's a lot of them. It's a lot to do with them. And I'll be inter- interested to see going forward how uh, Arturis Karnasovas and Mark Eversley handled this roster because I think that there's some clear signs of guys that probably should go. Um, I don't think Zach's one of them. We know that Patrick Williams isn't one of them. We'll see about Kobe. But I think those front court guys can both get to getting. I, get to getting. And also, 
is Otto Porter his back injury? Back injury right around the time. Look, I don't think he wants to be traded. I don't know why he wouldn't want to go to a contender. Uh, but spooky times. Spooky times for the Bulls because they're they're showing tendencies of being their old selves while also showing uh, signs of of growth. It's just a matter of which one will ultimately win out. Hopefully, as a Bulls fan, it'll be their growth. That's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports website, clockersports.com. Email address, clockersports at gmail.com. Uh, also follow the show at 30spod. Uh, that's the number 30spod on Twitter and Facebook. Read the stuff, Last Word on Pro Football. Again, that article about who will be the Chicago Bears' next starting quarterback in 2021. Clockersports.com. The, uh, getting familiar with all the new faces in the NBA Rookie of the Year race. Be on the lookout for the mock draft. And we got some other things uh, in the works as well. Also check out the other pods in, on the show, man. Uh, be in the mix. You got primetime sports, punching the clock. Uh, still trying to talk the uh, no countouts guys into getting back into it. Uh, T for three as well. So a lot of great stuff coming out from the clock of sports family. So you know what it is, man. Until the very next time. Oh, 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 o